So Sarah, a bunch of the big pros, the stars of the sport, uh, launched different businesses this week. Um, did you see like Lucy Charles' swim program, Lindsay Corbin's cooking? I didn't see Lindsay Corbin's cooking. Company. I did see Sarah True's running program. Right. So Lucy Charles launched a like nine week sw- online swim program where you pay like 90 bucks and and get tips to become as fast and as Lucy Charles. And then you can swim like, as fast as Lucy for $90. That's, that sounds like know. a bargain to me. Basically. And then like the next day, Sarah True and her husband, Ben, who's a professional runner, uh, launched a running one. Same, like same thing. And it's all under the head. It's all under the same company heading, which I gather comes from triathlon Terran, that guy who I've never totally understood what his deal is. But it, but there's, there's also some other there's like Cam Wharf has a cycling program under the same header. Really? How many different things yeah. launched? Lindsay Corbin's cooking program is also. Oh, yeah. So then, and then Lindsay Corbin launched a she said she's not it's like a side project. She's not totally sure. But I think it's like a food and cooking company. Like she's going to do like cooking tips, nutritional like advice, something like that. And I saw that Tim and Rinny. So Tim O'Donnell and Miranda Carfrey uh, are going to be leading. I don't even know what you'd call it, like a tour, like go on a travel trip with Rinny and Tim around like challenge Prague. So like through Prague. Right. So I just, obviously, uh, people are having to diversify their income streams. Yes. Because uh, traditional triathlon money isn't there. Right. So as we've been talking about for like weeks, months, years, even. You know, the sponsorship money. I mean, not to say, like, I'm not saying Rinny's not making sponsorship. She is, right? She's Rinny's making, making money. Over there. But, you know, that, that people are having to be creative about how to make money. So this is what we're seeing now. I, I think it's, Good like, for them. brilliant business marketing. Um, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I am curious about the actual economics of some of it. You know, like, I don't totally understand how much money like Lucy is making on each of those and versus how much triathlon Taryn is taking for like being the overarching production well, for creating the content probably. Right. Right. It's all unclear um, to me, but it also made me think, Sarah, Sarah, do we need to launch our own training video series slash oh, yeah. tour company? We need to sell something. So like, obviously, <laughs> you know, if I had honestly, if I had money for every time, someone told me that I should tell sell training programs on live feisty I would already be rich just by that because don't you here's don't you sell training programs through your coaching business oh I no no it, well I, I sell, mean no not like training coaching. but you sell coaching right. yes so personalized training programs if you will yeah so first of all I've really reduced my coaching so I only have like a handful of people that I coach like very personally where we have sort of like some of them, I have a meeting with them every week. Um, okay. To talk about. So okay. there's a very, um, it's very much about communication with the coaching for me. Um, but yeah, the training, pro- I just can't do it. Like, I, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't. Like, if you want to go online and find a beginner how to do a triathlon program, you can find that. People have asked me about coaching and training programs. And because uh, it is one of the things I don't do, right? In the in the scheme of things I do, and it, and the thing is, it's not like I don't know stuff. I just can't really bring myself to care what other people do, right? That's been always been my problem with coach. I would not meet once a week with them. I'd be like, do it, don't do it, your choice, whatever. <laughs> no, I I do like the interpersonal relationship part with coaching, but that's not like a mass. Like, if you're selling a swimming program, 
like Lucy right. Charles, right? You're for ninety dollars, so you're kind of banking on mass many many people. I do wonder how many people. people she's gonna get. Yeah, how many people do you think she's gonna get? Yeah, it's interesting. I always thought if there's if there was something that that we could sell from Live Feisty mm-hmm. that would add value, but I don't know what that is. You don't have any business ideas? I feel like we have so many business ideas. I feel like once a week we have business oh, ideas. I have business ideas. Okay. I just don't have like <laughs> little pithy things that people can buy for like $5. You know, like like we can't sell critical commentary. <laughs> uh, I would argue otherwise. <laughs> if anybody wants to buy five minutes of Sarah and Kelly doing critical commentary every week, we're here for you. Um, okay. If you want to hear my business ideas? Yes. Okay. So when I was in Arizona, we I saw this thing. Okay, when I was at the I was at ASU and they had this big sign that said cross swim. Okay? And I saw it in action, Kelly. I tell you what. Okay. It's like CrossFit on the pool deck. And they had installed all these like um oh. pull up bars and they had these kettlebells and weights and everything on the deck, right? And then they and then they swam as part of the as part of the workout, right? So it's called crosswhip. Hmm. So that's already obviously already invented. Okay, so here's my right, idea. Right, so you're going to take that idea. <laughs> I'm going to take this idea and put it on TV. Because, okay. because here's the thing. Okay, imagine like people, imagine like good-looking people with nice bodies, right? In bikinis and like small things, <laughs> wearing scantily clad, doing crosswhip. <laughs> like you're doing crossfit, but you're soaking wet. Okay. Yeah. Just men and women doing That's that. Your idea. I feel like I'm the one who's going to pitch it to the TV station and like. Make and they're just going to be like, Sarah, here's billions of dollars. Go. Right. Okay. So my other idea, <laughs> okay, uh-huh. is like the a cross between my two um, interests right now, which is like CrossFit. Obviously, everybody knows. And I'm also taking like beginner hip hop classes. Oh, I've seen the videos. Right. <laughs> the terrible videos of me doing hip hop. So we're doing. So I want to do like hip hop cross okay so where are you it's kind of like um what do you call it like, like kind of like zumba for like badasses <laughs> okay. i don't think that should be your tagline i'm just gonna say <laughs> i don't think zumba would like it if that's my tagline no but like so you're kind of doing a bit of a hip-hop and you're dancing to music but you're also doing like push-ups to the music and pull-ups so it's like a real workout but you're dancing in between and you would learn routines and stuff that involved like a lot of the CrossFit, like say gymnastics moves stuff, and even some like a little bit of like light lifting and stuff in there. And how are you going to make money off of this? I'm going to. It's going to be like Soul Cycle, like where it becomes like a <laughs> massive, like okay. nas- international. So phenom. while people are doing uh, push-ups to the music, you're going to yell inspirational things at them and light candles. Is what I'm hearing. Something like that. Yeah, I'm going to play like really loud <laughs> hip hop music. Okay. And we're going to dance and we're going to do CrossFit at the same time. I gotta say, I think uh, Lindsay and Rinny and Tim and Lucy and Sarah's ideas are probably better, (laughs) but. (laughs) Oh, just you wait. Okay. Do you have business ideas? Well, I have many, but they're not like related to triathlon at all. I know. Like I, I told you about my idea for a restaurant called Bananas. That's like Hooters, but it's men, shirtless men. (laughs) It's a good idea. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. I also have a really good idea right now if I was in advertising um, about what a series of ads that taxi companies should run that basically just like show all the terrible situations you get in with Lyft or Uber. You guys don't have that in Canada, do you? We anyway, do. Yeah, everybody who's do. ever been in Uber. Yeah. 
it would be hilarious. You just have a series of like all the things go wrong. And then you say taxis for when you actually need to get somewhere on time. Oh, <laughs> see, like, that's a good oh, idea. Oh, uh, yeah. See, see? Note, note how I'm encouraging about your ideas and you were like disparaging <laughs> about mine. <laughs> well, you know. Okay. Eight minutes in, we're going to roll the intro <laughs> coming up on the show. Who are the stars of triathlon? Can grassroots races become too cliquey? A voicemail from our podcast editor and Cliff supports women's soccer. If We Were Riding is brought to you by Noon Hydration. And Sarah, I think it sounds like you could use one of Noon's immunity tablets right now. Ooh, tell us more about that, Kelly. <laughs> I'm actually holding them in my hand right now. Orange citrus, which would boost your immunity system um, since you seem to be having the winter cold. But they also have a whole bunch of products. They have sport tablets and vitamins. And my favorite is the performance drink. That's like the powder you put. I just put it in like a water bottle, sip on it while I'm typing on the computer all day. It's basically the same as like a Coke or a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Except it takes care of your hydration needs. Exactly. What's your favorite flavor? Oh, I actually can't tell you what my favorite flavor is because they're about to come out with a whole bunch of new stuff and it's super top secret. So I can't tell you what my favorite flavor is. You're just gonna have to stay tuned. But I can tell you that all of their products have like super high quality ingredients, like good for the earth, very clean and specifically formulated for women. So. Ooh, I love it. Okay. Okay, top secret information. You're going to hear it soon right here on the If We Were Riding podcast. Awesome. Okay, and folks at home, you can use the code IRONWOMEN and you get 30% off at noonlife.com. So that's IRONWOMEN at noonlife.com. Live Feisty's If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc. Ass Kicker makes activewear for women featuring empowering phrases like work hard, play hard, kick ass. Or, strong women lift each other up. Ask Kicker Inc. also makes our fabulous Live Feisty tank tops, t-shirts, hoodies, and leggings. So to order yours, go to livefeisty.com and just choose shop from the menu. And of course, use the code RIDING to save 20%. That's RIDING, as in if we were, at livefeisty.com. And remember, I before E, except if you're feisty. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Kelly, the newsletter this week, you made your list of who you thought the biggest triathlon stars are. And I'm understanding you got, even though we're recording on the same day the newsletter was released, I understand you got some feedback about that already. Yeah, I mean, I I felt like, well, I felt like my top picks were non-controversial, right? I said Daniela is the biggest star in triathlon. And even that, people were like, no, no, she's not. But I feel like she is. So anyway, I was thinking, because I, I live in Sacramento now, and they released this thing called like the power, I don't even remember what it's called, but where like they rank the most powerful people, which is obviously subjective. And so then I was like, well, what if we did a power ranking of triathlon? Oh, that's where this came from. That's where okay. I was thinking. And so to me, I went, to me, it was Daniela, Jan, Lucy, Patrick, Javi, 
and everyone else is going to go look up the, all those last names if you don't know who I'm talking about. And then to me, it was like, and then there's like kind of a tier of star that's like Marinda's still up there. You know what I'm saying? Marinda Carfrey, uh, you know, Tim o- Andy Potts, right? And then there's kind of a break. And then you have basically to me, like all these, like Heather Jackson, Meredith Kessler, like all these, Sarah True. Um, and then I came across two interesting points to me, Sarah, which was one, I can think of way more women that I think of as just like the big, like, holy shit, they're big stars. And I don't know if that's just my perception. Probably. Probably. Or if like legitimately like the women are big, like the women are bigger stars. Like maybe they just are. It's hard to tell. Like when I was thinking about this, I was thinking kind of that, that a like context is everything. So like someone in Germany is going to take you up on your Patrick Lange is not a big deal. Right. Obviously, he's just like not as big in the U.S. He just has almost zero appeal in the U.S. Right. And then like your personal perspective, of course, would be. And and especially if you're inside the sport or outside the sport. So like who transcends? Because I do think I don't. it's hard for me to tell actually how big Daniela actually is because I feel like Jan might be bigger than Daniela. Jan might be bigger. Jan is a very, very big deal. And I think when you talk, you're right. If you talk it about outside the sport, I think Jan's a bigger deal, right? Cause he has the Olympics. He, ha- he has like mall, like Olympics one. It's just for people not in a sport. It goes like Olympics, huge, like huge drop off Kona, huge drop off everything else. Right. Like that's just how it works. And he's got both of those. Um, also he's way more personable and he's like funny Mm -hmm. and you know what I mean? Daniela within the sport, I think Daniela right now is just so dominant that she is at any event kind of the name above the, on the marquee, you know? Did that make sense? Was that a route? You're like looking at me blankly. Yeah, I never know I'm if kinda, you like I'm, know what I'm, I'm talking thinking, about. <laughs> I should have thought before recording, but I do, I do also think the other point I take you up on is I think Lionel should be in there. Oh yeah. I had Lionel within. up there. I had Lionel in my category with like Marinda and Tim O'Donnell and Andy Potts. Um, I had Lionel up there, but yeah, other people also said I should have had him higher. And I will admit that I really like Lionel and I recognize that he has this like cult following. I just don't, get it right i don't get lionel i don't understand the cult following and so to me it's like oh yeah he's interesting but i don't i don't get it right i i do just think i think within the triathlon context if we're talking from within then lionel he's like a weirdly big deal yeah probably from outside if we're gonna go like globally outside of triathlon looking in i'm probably gonna go i'm probably gonna go still with yawn just because i think that the I think that unfortunately like genders does still matter or does still like influence people's ability to see like who's a sports person and who's not right as much as oh, I you think who's a star I would okay. love to think that Daniela was a bigger star but I'm not totally convinced but I hope that Jan's right. a really big star for sure um I do think it's uh, there it's all up there I also think it is interesting when you just because I wasn't trying to make a gender equal list here i was just like who are You're the biggest stars list. i understand yeah just making a list who are the biggest stars and the women in triathlon like they hold their like they they're do. big stars they're really big deals especially when you get to the level of like uh the sarah trues the heather jackson's the lindsey corbin's the like who are a really big deal like top 20 big deal in the world the men that are the equivalent of them like i just kind of and this is again maybe it's me i just care less about i'm just like not as into um True. Which maybe they also just don't do as good a job marketing themselves. Yeah. Because the other question comes down to, Sarah, what makes a star? 
what makes someone like a megastar? Interesting. Okay, so I think, I actually think, now that I'm thinking about this for once, the, the generation before um, did was did better than our current generation. So I think- They were megastars. Chrissy like Wellington. Chris McCor- Chrissy Wellington. Was a megastar. Macca. Yeah. Yeah. And she became yeah. a megastar, I think- for the most part, she did, she did. She had the personality and the story to go behind it, but she also sure. she also was so dominant, right? So sure. she had that magical combo. And I think Chris McCormack, right, was like he was dominant, but he just had a big freaking mouth. Oh, he also was in the like legend making business, right? He like yes. knew how to make himself into the thing that people were talking about. Yes, he knew he was. I'm not willing. saying he's. My favorite person in the world uh, has a lot of issues, but he knew how to play the star making game. Yeah, definitely knew how to play the game because I can tell you I kind of know how to play the game, but also like was willing to. And I think you know how to be a star, Sarah. Is this what you're saying? I I think that I mean, yes, if I was willing, (laughs) if people were, if I was willing to say that's kind of just like who's willing to do what Mac is willing to do. I don't know. Not me. Okay. So, cause I get, cause when you talk about what makes a star, I mean, obviously it's like results, but it's also the intangible, the je ne sais quoi, sir. Uh, it's the, you gotta be like personality and attractive and like story making and like make yourself, there's a joke in acting cause my parents were with actors go in there and make it about you. And that's yes. what you have to, you gotta do that. And in a lot of ways right now, yeah, it doesn't feel like triathlon does that. Like the triathlon stars are not cause it's a community and we all know each other and we're just out here to do our best and race ourselves. But you are correct that the, like, that wasn't always true. So it's maybe it's just like right now, it's not something inherent in triathlon. Yes, perhaps. Perhaps. So then looking forward, who do you think is the next, like the up and coming mega star of the, of the future? Oh, good question. Okay. I think, I don't know. The ones you already named are going to just step forward. So I think Lucy Charles is going to have yeah, her day. Yeah. She as has the like queen. all the potential. Yeah. For sure. and people like her and they like her for the right reasons. And she has a, she has a great following. Um, Sarah true as well. I think you mentioned Anne hog. And as much as I like Annie, like I don't think she has that star power. It's the, someone um, actually emailed me and said she should have been higher on my list. So FYI should be higher. Yes. Oh, well, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I hope that I'm wrong because I like Annie. I do. Um, it's not always being a star. It's not always about being likable. Uh, FYI. I do think there's also in I think there are some people coming out of like Super League and out of the like younger people, uh, particularly when you talk American women in going into ITU that could turn out to be really big. Um, they just kind of need to grow into their results. Uh so that would be nice. Yeah, and then it depends how the Olympics plays out, like how 2020 mm-hmm. plays out. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and then whether that person can capitalize on all the opportunities. Right. If Flora Duffy wins 2020, I think she will, you know, because she already kind of was poised to be the next the next Gwen Jorgensen. Um, You're all on team Flora Duffy, aren't you? Oh, I totally am. But she was literally poised, like special. I signed her thinking she was going to replace Gwen and then she got injured and like kind of people like, you know, forgot about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you win an Olympic gold and everything is forgiven. That's how it that's works. So true. Right? Like, that's why I understand it. forgiven and forgotten. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Sure. So, 
The other thing we talked about this week, because the other thing that happened or the thing that happened this last weekend was there were two big, well, there were many races on this weekend, but there were two big ones that are kind of cult followings. I don't know what the word would be, but you know, they were under the radar and they're very much not anymore because they have like, because they had documentaries, big documentaries on documentaries. Okay. Explain more. So, so Barkley, the Barkley marathon, I we never know if it's Barkley's or Barkley, but the Barkley's marathon was this weekend. Barkley marathons. Isn't it? It's marathons. I don't know. Um, and it's this one that's, uh, it's an ultra, it's an ultra. It's an ultra. Run. It's supposed to be a hundred miles. Everyone says it's really more like 120 or 130, but it's a, it's half orienteering. Like there aren't really trails. You have to like find your way through the woods. It's in, I'm trying to think. That's why I was trying to think where it is exactly. Cause I know it's, um, is it Georgia or Tennessee? But it's like, it's, uh, in like, fucking like the middle of nowhere uh in terms of like how overgrown everything is like i've heard from people who've done it that they're just like hacking through briars it's crazy they get lost in the fog there was i guess the way best way to sum it up is there's a state prison that is defunct now that often the course like goes through and people who escape from the state prison um were found like eight days later or what no seven days like eight miles from they had gotten lost like so that's like how far people are able to travel (laughs) (laughs) right so you might find like a skeleton out there while you're on the course right or off the course you get 60 hours uh to do five laps and 15 people in history have completed nobody finished this year rarely do people finish it's just it's crazy and so what Um, makes it cliquey because it's hard to get in is that is that the thing right and so what i so i guess what i was like trying so that happened this weekend another event happened this weekend too that we can talk about in a second the speed project but yeah so so barclays i understand is very very fun like people love it it's also like very much a like a a closed circle like if I, i like so it's very hard to get in um I don't even know exactly what the procedure is, but I've had people do it. I know people who have done it. And my understanding is you have to like find out how you apply. and You have to like mail certain things on a certain date at a certain time. But in order to find out what those things are, you have to like find someone who already did it and get them to tell you like, it's a whole, it's a whole thing, Sarah. Okay. It's a whole process. And then the other thing that happens weekend was the speed project, which is much, much younger. It's only like three years old. And people, I'm sure going, the people who are in these two things are going to be offended that I put them together because they're very different. Because the speed project is like one of those 340 mile in a van relays from L.A. to Vegas. Um, also like unsanctioned. You're out there by yourself in your van. Make it work. Uh But in my head, they went together, Sarah, because that's also a thing where there is no website. There is no way to sign up. A friend wanted to do it this year, a girl from Smash, and we were going to put it as a team. And like, basically, you get in by convincing the guy who started it that you're cool. Like, I don't like that seems to be how you get in. I don't. Right. So so my whole point of this was that I was watching these two events that are wildly different this past weekend, but that people are very, very into. And I just kept thinking like how insidery these, how clicky these are and how that is part of the appeal. Like part of the appeal to people who have done Ironmans and ultra marathons and every other thing out there that you can just, you know, press register and take my money. Part of the appeal for them is that this is hard to figure out how to get in, that it's like exclusive, that not everyone gets to do it, that like we're keeping out the like this is not rock and roll, right? You're not there's not bands. This isn't like participatory. Right. No one's wearing tutus, right? Like this is not that. And that is why they like it. 
at least in part. Yes. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So I think it's like it's when something finds itself halfway between like a group of friends doing a thing together right. and actually being an actual event. Right? So, I mean, there have always, that's the other part that's weird to me is there have always been like the guy who started Barkley used to do things with his friends all the time that were like, we're going to run from Atlanta to Chattanooga, right? Like, and, and there've always been those kinds sure. of things. I, like my friends have them. You're like, everyone does these like weird things. The weird epic. But, yeah. right. But in recent years, I feel like those things have become a thing. Like they're, like they're still unsanctioned and like you have to know somebody, but so many people are looking for that that they're becoming huge, right? Like that, that, that it's right. becoming like its own thing that it's very, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how I feel it's about It's interesting. This. I think that what, I think my, my thought here is that something like <laughs> Barclays, right? Needs to recognize where it is in time and space, right? So you're, yeah, you're no longer this little thing. Like you were a Netflix, everybody, every ultra runner knows. I mean, I know I'm not an ultra runner. I know what Barclays is. Right. right. And so you, now you become an actual event. You need to like, it's fine to still make it really, really hard to get in. Right. Make it as right. hard as possible, but don't make it about who, you know, and who knows a secret handshake and who does the wink and nod. Like that's, that's not okay. the part that's weird to me. Yeah. That's the part that, and I get it. Like I'm, I've like, I've talked to people who've done it. Right. I get that. That's just like respecting the event and the experience. Like, but yeah, it feels very, it feels very like you're either in or you're out. Yeah, I think there's a certain recognition. And, and if the people who started Barclays want to have their own other secret marathon, then go ahead, start, go ahead and have you and your friends do another secret marathon. But I'm sorry to tell you, your event has, has gone mainstream. It's not a secret. It's not <laughs> a secret anymore. I'm here to tell you, Barclays. <laughs> I mean, I guess that that comes down to like this. Uh, we've talked about this a billion times that there's this tension right now, right? Where like on the one hand, you have how do we get more people like into our sports and not just triathlon, but like endurance, like we know that cycle, like road cycling down, um, road races are like, how do we get more people to do these things? Like, how do we be more inclusive? And at the same time, you have this counter reaction to that inclusive yes. to the rock and roll races. Yes. And the fact that like everyone's there now and people are going for like more and more extreme, like, and that's not just true in running or triathlon. Like I was skiing this weekend and it's, Okay, I don't actually ski, but I was at a ski resort. And my understanding is it's true in skiing too. Like resort numbers are down, but backcountry is up, right? Like everybody wants, there's like this counter reaction to be like, okay, I don't want to do that like crowded, everyone can do it thing. I need to do something even crazier and more out there and more adventure and more weird. And I don't know how you balance those. Okay, so back to the business ideas from the top of the show. Okay. Here's what we're going to do, okay. Kelly. We're going to have race a race series of some kind that is really, really hard. Like It's really, really hard just to do. So it's hard just okay. to finish so that we can capture all those people. But it's still inclusive. So anyone, if you want to sign up, you can sign up. But it's going to be really hard to do. So whether that's kind of an epic mountain Ironman type distance or whether it's a ultra run or we, we can have we can create a whole series long distance swimming. All of the things. Okay. What about, I don't know. I mean, swim, run, swim, run, swim, run. If you go back and listen to the episode, we just swim run. We have noted that that is one of the few things that has found this balance between let's just go and do something crazy. Like you're out there on your own, right? Like 
no one's coming to save you when you get lost in the poison oak right. and go off court. Right. But also it's still like very well, like you don't feel like you need to know the guy who knows the yeah, guy. Yeah, anyone can still sign up for it. You just better be ready. Yeah. Like sometimes with us, how long, how long do we swim? 8K with paddles in the open ocean, not knowing where we're going. <laughs> like you got to be ready for that. <laughs> So I I do think there's a way to balance these things, but I do think as with all like social trends, there's always like a cycle and a counter response. And I honestly think that like those two reactions right now coming to heads are kind of like what's playing out in our sport. Well, someone's going to capitalize on this. In a big picture. I feel like it's it's probably not going to be us because we won't get our act together. But as usual, Uh, we've got all the ideas. Sarah, I'm an ideas person. (laughs) (laughs) FYI. Well, okay, so like more seriously, though, uh, one of the things we've also talked about a bunch and that we talked about last week um, kind of ongoingly is uh, concussions and the effect that they have on people. Like last week, we talked about more and more evidence now, particularly after the death of the suicide of that cyclist, Kelly Catlin, um, which came after a bad crash she had. The, The more and more evidence that concussions do contribute to like emotion, like, like it changes you, changes, changes your brain you. Yeah. and you can be really depressed. And, uh, and Erin, our editor sent in, like she has had a really bad concussion, really bad traumatic brain injury. Yeah. And she sent in a voicemail. So, you know, what's funny is when we recorded last week, I didn't actually think of Erin, but as soon as she responded, I was like, of course. Right. right. So yes, for those who don't know, Erin, who's been editing this podcast since the podcast began, I think I might have since edited the beginning. I think I might have edited the first episode, and then I handed it off gratefully to Erin. So yeah, we were glad to hear from her and her experience. Hi everyone. I wanted to respond to the mental health and Kelly Catlin segment on last week's show with regards to connection between brain injury and behavioral disorders like mood, emotions, judgment, stuff like that. Most people know I suffer from a traumatic brain injury, and I can tell you there is a correlation to brain injuries and behavioral disorders. I experience firsthand the areas of the brain that control things like behavior. This area of the brain are particularly vulnerable to damage because of the location in the brain. I constantly struggle with the inability to control my behavior. I cannot count the number of times I've attempted suicide and even successfully committed suicide. When these events happen, I literally have no idea that I'm doing it. My brain just kind of goes with whatever pops in there. If I'm feeling suicidal, there's nothing in my brain that says stop. I shared a lot of my experiences with Sarah and Kelly after editing the show, and Kelly brought up an interesting comment. How does it feel to lose control of your emotions? I replied back to her saying that in my situation, I don't feel like I lost control. I always tell people it's like my brain is an autopilot. For example, you don't think about breathing. It's just something that is hard-coded to just do. That's how my brain is with regards to controlling my behavior, and there's nothing I can do about that. Thankfully, there are medications that doctors prescribe specifically for me to give me better control over my behavior. So, you know, Kelly, what I appreciate about Aaron the most is how 
kind of honest and straightforward she is about her experience. Because I have never known someone with that level of head injury that's that bad. I've known people with concussion before. Um, right. But that's that bad who has also sort of spoken openly about their kind of first person experience about not having emotional control and these kinds of things that are that tend to be judged in our environment so i I really appreciate aaron sending that voicemail yeah Mm -hmm. i think it's really because we can know from an outside perspective i actually have you know certainly seen people go through really bad traumatic range and like know that they their personalities change but to know what it's like from the inside is totally different you know um so she also did want us to note that, uh, you know, always like to wear a helmet that she didn't want us to note that you are always taking risks on when you're out there in the sport and that, you know, your helmets are only designed for one hit there. Yeah. So it's something I think I, I sometimes, I mean, I knew, I know it, but I don't think I always paid attention to that your helmet, even if it takes a small hit, like if you drop it by mistake, um, it can be compromised. So that is something to remember. It is. Um, they're actually, I mean, I'm like always mixed on helmet technology. Like I, I, I always wear one, right? Like I'm not going to not wear a helmet, but there was a, a brand new helmet from Trek bikes this week that was supposed to be like the safest ever, right? Brand new, different kind of, kind of technology. Um, and it brought again to the forefront, like a lot of questions about how we, and I'm saying like American society here by we, uh, tend to put the onus on the right. Like, oh, well, he wasn't wearing a helmet. That's why he got hit by a truck, right? And you're like, he wasn't going to, it wasn't the helmet that was going to save you if you got hit by a truck. And like Aaron's crash was really, really bad, right? And obviously her helmet helped her a ton, but not getting hit by a car would have helped him, right? right. Like, so I always feel like, like we put this huge thing on like, oh, it's the helmet. Like the helmet is going to say, oh, oh, this new helmet that's the safest helmet ever. Like that's, that's what's going to solve. Um, and there's some evidence, I've seen a lot of evidence out there that the most, like the thing that makes us the safest is more cyclists being on the road. Right. As opposed to, you know, more technology. And what's going to get more cyclists on the road is us telling them it's okay to write. Like, it's not us telling them, oh, it's unsafe. You need all this equipment. You need the fanciest help, right? Does that make sense? Right. So, and it's not just more cyclists oh. on the road. It's more cyclists on the road. And then cars, drivers become more aware of cyclists on right. the road. So it's actually and the, uh, down yeah, to the yeah. drivers. It's hundred percent down to the drivers. And the odds increase when there are more cyclists that the driver has been a cyclist um, and it's aware of them. There's some evidence that like when that subconsciously when a driver sees someone wearing a helmet, they kind of are like, Oh, they'll be fine. If I, you know, they like tend to drive closer, even like subconsciously. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple, I like, I was reading a study last a year to go, um, that, yeah, they drive like infinite, like, you know, what's the word? Like not like measurably, but not noticeably closer just because there's something about when you see someone without a helmet, you're like, Oh, I need to be really, really careful. I don't know. It's, it's all like, it's all, there's a lot of weird stuff we do behavioral science wise. Right. Um, so I'm a big, I mean, wear a helmet, always wear a helmet, but I'm also a big advocate of like, we need to get more people out on the roads to make things safer. Yeah. Take care of each other people. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Coming up after the break, um, Cliff, Cliff, like the nutrition company, right? Yes. Um, makes a big move with um, women's soccer. So we're going to talk about that. We would like to thank Noon Hydration for supporting the podcast. 
get 30% off your order by using the code IRONWOMEN at NoonLife.com. That's IRONWOMEN at NoonLife.com. And don't forget to order your feisty gear at LiveFeisty.com with the code RIDING to get a 20% discount. Follow at If We Were Riding on all the social medias and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, tell your actual friends in person how awesome we are, because that works too. If We Were Riding is a Live Feisty Media production and is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our marvelous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real, and I'm feeling so ruthless. So Kelly, I need to be informed here. Tell us, tell us all what Cliff um, is doing in terms of equal pay in women's soccer. So it was actually Luna Bar, which is owned by Cliff, but technically it was Luna Bar subsidiary okay. of. Uh, and they basically are clo- like covering with a donation the gap between the U.S. what the U.S. women's soccer team makes and the U.S. men's. If that makes sense. Wow, um, that's a big donation. <laughs> Yeah, it was seven hundred and eighteen thousand dollars. Okay. So, Thank you, and I, I mean, I guess they reached out essentially and were like, "We want to help," and then they kind of like negotiate. And there were like a couple of key areas, like they're closing, they're paying for like the salaries of everyone on the national team to like close that gap. But then there were also questions about, you know the bonus like the whatever the like per game like bonuses you know that they make um because there are a lot of different areas in which the gap played out yes yes because there's also like their sal- their whole structure of how their salaries pay is different um so anyway they also so they they put forward seven hundred eighteen thousand dollars to you know, pay each of the members of the World Cup team like enough to make up the difference and also to like pay out the bonuses. I understand that there was also a couple of companies, maybe it was Reebok, that said they on their on their end, like will pay out the same bonuses to the players that they sponsor, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and that's all like great. And I think that's really nice. And it's really good. I don't understand, Sarah. What happens after that money runs out? Right. Like, what does the U.S. women's soccer team do in the future? Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so what we need alongside these pledges from Cliff and from Reebok and et cetera, we also need pledges from the media to cover women's soccer just as much or to, <laughs> you know, like to, to equalize the – because that's it's often like – it often is framed as capitalism versus women's sport, Right. Like when it's like yeah. people don't watch as true. much, blah blah blah. Like that, that's how it's framed, right? So I saw some. If we on that, note. if we had media, if we had more media, right. more people would watch. It's a chicken and egg situation, right? I saw to your point some stats that suggested like women's basketball gets the most coverage of like any women's sport in the U.S. Right? It gets just way like a huge percentage of the coverage of women's sports is women's basketball, and since they started covering. The, since ESPN started covering WNBA, viewership like viewership and ticket sales have gone up, shocking. and like more shocking. Right. And like there is an audience, right? So that's just it's just like it, that's how it works. Yeah. Oh, I I find myself scratching my head, going, "What could I take? What could I take Rosie to see? My daughter, who's eight years old. 
what women's sports event can I take her to see? And I can't freaking find one. I mean, once in a while, you know, because we have the rugby here, you know, like uh, once in a while I can find something. But um, there's there's definitely an audience. Yeah, that's interesting because here we have an NBA team. We have a minor league baseball team and we have a, an MLS. But no, I don't think we have any professional women's. Right. Oh, that's so sad. I know. I know. So. Yeah, there's a few other levels, but you're right that that I think if the other levels caught up in that, I mean, they're, they're just they've just bought a year, right? They might need to buy five years worth of women's salary. Yeah, I mean, they might have bought a couple, but and obviously, it's also like a good move. I mean, I think it's really really great of Cliff. I think Cliff had done has, Cliff Jet like I like them. They're a good company. They generally like do the things that they believe in, but obviously, it's also a marketing move. They're getting good publicity. And it's one that like we cannot continue to rely on private companies to be like on the right side of history, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the the national federations are going to have to make their own decisions at some point and back them up. That's true. But these private companies do help, right? Of and, that's, and and Cliff yeah. has been backing women's sport with that Luna team for years. I mean, in triathlon yeah. they had a huge women's Luna team for before before these issues bef- around wo- women's sport were as as kind of in the press as they are now so right it's very trendy women's sport is very very trendy being a (laughs) being the woman person in triathlon is very that's our thing by the way that's what we are we're the woman person person. sometimes being trendy and being on the right side of history can align so good Tell me to stop my town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.